Wonderful to see you guys. Uh, welcome to Cornerstone. Uh, hopefully, if you've been uh, coming here for any length of time, then you know that our goal is to know Jesus as we allow the spotlight of his word to shine on us. Um, it's also to grow in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's to show Jesus to others in obedience to Jesus' command to us that we should go and make disciples of all nations. So if you are a Christian, uh, then, then, then your life is all about knowing Jesus, growing in Jesus, and showing him to others. Wendy once preached in a small village in Madagascar. And after the service, she floated away on a canoe, on a dugout canoe, with a load of fruit, namely bananas. Why the bananas? Because the local church wanted to communicate to her their appreciation for her preaching, for her speaking to them. But at Cornerstone, if we have a preacher, we don't give them, or we feel we have a visiting preacher, we don't tend to give them thank you fruit. Instead, we give them what's known as an honorarium, uh, a check to say thank you. We give them money. That's how our society tends to work or operate. We don't live in a country where we exchange goods for services. Yes, it happens sometimes, uh, but not usually. Instead, uh, um, instead we, we exchange money for services. You know, can you imagine going up to your hairstylist and after your haircut is done, you hand over a live chicken. But if you want highlights, it's gonna cost you a goat. Or what would happen if you left, say, cell phone warehouse with your new cell phone while the shop assistants on the floor were left um, counting the fresh cut lumber that you'd paid for your phone with? The only time that we come close to experiencing this goods for services um, arrangement is on Mother's Day when kids all over the country say thank you to mum for all that she's done throughout the year with a few handwritten vouchers that say this voucher entitles you to a free back rub or this voucher entitles you to me cleaning my room without any complaining or this voucher is good for one hour of alone time. So I think that's all that the kids can stretch to is one hour of alone time. This, but this stuff is really valuable stuff. But with the exception of Mother's Day, as society in general, we don't exchange goods for services. Instead, we use money. And money only works because we, have, as a society, have agreed to assign it value. So rather than exchanging goods for services, we've entered into a contract with each other that little bits of metal alloy and sheets of plasticky paper have value. In fact, if someone has a note, you know, a $5 bill or a $10 bill, $20 bill, I'd appreciate you to bring it up to me, please. So if someone has a $5 bill, you will have it back afterwards. But uh, I would, uh, if you do have it, just feel, feel free to walk up and hand it to me. Thank you very much, Penny. Yeah. All right, everyone give her a round of applause. That's marvelous. $10. And so money is only valuable because we've agreed to assign it value. 
So we give money its value. Money does not give us our value, right? Amen? And you are valuable because God has assigned you value. He said that you're valuable. Regardless of how much money you have, God has assigned you a value. And it's, it's in God that the poor find privilege and the prosperous find purpose. Let's say that all together again. It's in God that the poor find privilege and the prosperous find purpose. This is what we, we're going to be looking at this morning. My goal is that as we listen to God's word, that God will change our hearts and we will find contentment in him and not in our bank balance. As Paul says in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, and I want you to look at that picture of toilet paper and wonder why is it there. But as Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, um, I have learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through who? Through him who gives me strength. In God's kingdom, the poor find privilege and the prosperous find purpose. So how does God view money? Can we say that God values money? Does God care about the stock exchange? Do exchange rates keep God awake at night? Does he roll from side to side wondering if there's going to be enough you know, to go round? Is he going to run out? And of course the answer is no. In some ways, I think that God views money like we view toilet paper. Lou roll. It's useful, but it's ultimately disposable. It has a purpose, but it's not the most important thing in the world. Money is a tool, but it has no emotional value for God. Just like Lou roll is useful, but it has no emotional value to us. If it does, and you don't agree with that, then maybe we should have a conversation afterwards. We're going to get to that. <laughs> Love it. And it's important to us that, that Lural is used right. And it's important to God that we use money in the right way as well. Because with Lural, you can use too much. Which, in the case of, which, which then leads to flooding and the need of a plunger. One of my childhood memories is of my grandpa saying to me, Listen, Daniel, you're using too much toilet paper. Now, I don't remember the day that I believed in Jesus for the first time or the day I learned to walk. I don't remember the day that I became a teenager. You know, these are pretty important memories. I don't remember them, but I do remember the day that my grandpa told me that I was using too much toilet paper. It's a standout memory. And why is that? I have no idea. But in the same way that you can have too much toilet paper, you can also have not enough of it. Thank you, Penny. Which, in the case of toilet paper, usually results in someone yelling from the bathroom, 
Could somebody bring me toilet paper, please? Usually I don't talk to people outside the loo while I'm in the bathroom. I leave that, you know, to the women. But when I run out of loo roll, I'm happy to start communicating, to start shouting. In the same way, maybe we don't pray very much, but when we don't have enough money, we start talking to God. God, could you please get someone to bring me money? Please. Now, I understand that this toilet paper money analogy is eventually going to break down, but I do want to keep going with it for just a little while longer. Because what I'm trying to get you to understand is that money is nothing special. It's just a tool like Lural. And here's another way that Lural helps us understand money. If I hadn't learned how to use Lural properly, then my parents would question whether I was ready to leave home and represent my family name in the big world out there. If I was still in a nappy, would you think I was ready for adulting? Similarly, our attitude towards money gives God and ourselves an insight into our spiritual maturity level. Are we ready to represent our Father God in the big world out there carrying the family name? Some of us have a very childish view of money. We're not ready to leave home yet. Remember that money doesn't matter to God. I don't think he cares about it at all, but he cares very, 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 very passionately about how much money matters to us, how we handle money. And so I think that the biggest use that God has for money is as a litmus test or as a heart test. It's a way for him to figure out how much our heart is in line with his for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Matthew 6, 21. Let me say this simply. Whether you have a lot of money or little money, it doesn't matter. But what does matter categorically is how much room money takes up in your mind and in your life. Is God on the throne Or is money on the throne? Are you serving God or are you serving money because you cannot do both? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or or you will be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. You, You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew 6 verse 24. Because serving money is like serving toilet paper. It's stupid. It's senseless. Money is a tool, but we treat it like a tyrant, like a master, like a god. And so as you're sat here, I don't know how much money you have in your wallet or in your bank account. And so some of you are like, honey, do I go for the leather interior on the Mercedes? Or do we go for the faux leather interior and be good stewards of God's money? Okay, that's some of you. And others of you are thinking, how the heck am I going to pay next month's rent? Even though God is not emotionally invested in money, he's emotionally invested in you. 
And that's why Jesus died on the cross, because he cares about you. That's why Jesus threw himself on the grenade that was meant for you, because he loves you. Just read Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and onwards, and you will see this. So God knows and cares about what is on your mind and heart. He's concerned with what preoccupies you, and that includes money. Because money for us represents security and safety and hope and home. All of this is wrapped up in this little plasticky paper thing. Money is money's only valuable because it's a physical representation of your goals in life, right? Short-term and long-term goals. Maybe that goal is simply putting food on the table over the next week, or perhaps it's saving for your vacation next year. Maybe your goal is to fix that, that broken window at home, or perhaps that goal is to plan for your retirement. Money helps you reach your goals, but here's, here's the thing, is that God also has goals for your life, and he has goals for this world. And so God's goal for you and for this world is summed up in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. This is God's goal for you. If you have a Bible, please turn there. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Are you picturing this? And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. This is God's goal. And because God operates in a world where money has value, money is needed to achieve this goal. Therefore, God cares about what you are doing with your money because of Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. Because either you are helping him build his kingdom of Revelation 7 verse 9, which will last forever, or you are building your own silly little kingdom that in 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years time will no longer exist. This week in Memes That Matter, we're, we're looking at wealth and contentment. And just like memes... Um, when we read in the book of Proverbs, what we see are short, infectious, easy to remember sayings that lead to smart living if they're applied to your life. But unlike memes, these proverbs have the potential, if they take root in our lives, to transform how we live. This is why the book of Proverbs was written to literally change your life, or more specifically to help you change your life. And Proverbs has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to say about money, about the rich, about the poor, and how to achieve contentment regardless of your bank balance. And what we see in the book of Proverbs over and over and over again is that God cares about what we care about money. He cares about how much we care about money. Not because money has intrinsic value, but because it's one of the major ways that God gets his stuff done on planet Earth. It's, it's, it's one of the ways that he establishes his kingdom on planet Earth. 
Now we see in Proverbs chapter 22, verse two, that um, rich and poor have this in common. Let's read this all together. Rich and poor have this in common. One more time. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. So whether you're flush with cash or strapped for cash, God is your maker. You exist because of him, that you breathe at God's pleasure. In God's eyes, who's the only one whose opinion ultimately matters, we are all equal. In Christ, there is neither slave or free. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. But as we look at the news or as we look outside of our window, um, that's not what we see. Instead, what we see is this that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender, 22 verse seven. We see that the poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends, Proverbs 14 verse 20. Now this should not be. Our worth should not be determined by our wealth. This is not God's plan for us. But there is hope because what we see in the book of Proverbs is that there is a turning of the tables. We see that the poor occupy a privileged place in God. And this is why it grieves God's heart when we oppress the poor, when we mock the poor, or when we, when we ignore the poor. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. 14 verse 31. Whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not, um, will not go unpunished. Proverbs 17 verse 5. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Proverbs 21 verse 13. These are very severe warnings to anyone who oppresses, who mocks, or who ignores the poor. And so if you're here today and you're someone who's poor, who doesn't have a lot of money in the bank, you can know this, that you are loved, that you are valued, that you are cared for, that you are noticed, that you are esteemed, and you are jealously protected by God himself. Amen? But then... Listen to this, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done, Proverbs 19 verse seven. So, you know, can you imagine this? Because the language that's being used here is of God being in your debt. Now we know that God is in no one's debt because Romans 11 verse 35 says, who has ever given to God that God should repay him for from him and through him and for him are all things. So Romans 11 is clear that God owes no one one little thing. He owes no one anything. And yet here in, this, here in the book of Proverbs is this language that is so strong. Whoever is kind to those who are poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. So that money which you have that society endows with value finds its ultimate worth when it's used for the good of those who can never pay you back. But the one who can pay you back is the one to whom belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Deuteronomy 10 verse 14. No, can you imagine if that person rewarded you? 
in God, the poor find privilege. That's the first truth. And the second truth that I want us to grasp is that the prosperous find purpose. Next to God, none of us is wealthy, not one of us. But God wants you to use your relative wealth for his purposes, for eternal purposes. What a wonderful privilege. You know, so to those who are prosperous, God says this, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your, your, your power to act. Proverbs 3 verse uh, 27. God invites you to use your resources to bless others. Proverbs 13 verse 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God, brings honor to God. In God's economy, as you give and share, you are not left short. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Proverbs 22 verse 9. And so the principle is this, that as you honor God with your wealth, God will bless you. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. We've heard this many times, right? That, that, that you cannot outgive God. One day this money will, will be gone. It is not eternal. It's a temporary thing. It's a tool. This, this is toilet paper. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Proverbs 23 verse five. So while you have this tool, this thing, use it well. Invest it in establishing God's kingdom, in relieving the, the suffering of others, and in the sharing of the gospel. How is your money invested in, in world missions? How is your money invested in local missions? Because if you invest your money wisely and generously and well for God's purposes, not your own, then you will leave a spiritual legacy for your children and for your grandchildren, or you can waste it and God will find a way to pass that wealth on to those who can use it well. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Proverbs 13, verse 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. He will redirect that money to someone who can use it well. Money's value is temporary. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 11 verse four. One day this world that we, as we know it will end and that money will be consumed. It will not last. So choose right living over wealth. This man, C.T. Studd, was born in 1860 into wealth. He was an expert cricket player, and he was a captain at, at Eton College, which is the college many, many years later, a couple of hundred years later, where William and, and Harry went. Um, and after a, 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 a profound salvation moment, C.T. left England and a promising and a, and a lucrative future so that he could go to China and reach those who'd never heard of Jesus. While, while he was in China, he turned 
25 years old, which was when he was set to receive a large sum of money as per his, his father's will. This was his inheritance. But reading the Bible and praying led CT to give everything over to Christ. Now, after China, CT went to India, and then he went on to, on to Africa. He now had no money to his name at all, not a cent. Now, when, when challenged with, with opposition, with people who were questioning him, CT said this, gentlemen, God has called me to go and I will go. I will blaze the trail, though my grave may only become a stepping stone that younger men may follow. He then lost most of his teeth and he suffered several heart attacks in Central Africa where he worked for 21 years until he died in 1931. Now, most of us here would think that he's some sort of a well-meaning fool, but why I, why I say all this to you, why I explain to you a bit of CT's life is because I want you to hear this life that lies lies behind these, these next words, which I will read to you. This man who had human wealth and he gave it up for something that he could never lose. This is what C.T. said. He said, only one life, a brief few years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Hands up if you've ever had any burdens, hopes, and fears in this short life, right? That's everyone. Each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And C.T. Studd understood this. I shared about how on Mother's Day we uh, try to show our appreciation for all that mum has done throughout the year and we do it by giving her a voucher for a back rub or an evening to watch her own movie without interruption, you know, something like that. But how does that voucher for a free back rub come anywhere near in value to a year of cleaning, washing, ironing, feeding, shopping, renovating, painting, working, caring, hockey mumming, loving, driving, and kissing of knee scrapes. How does that come anywhere close? So, but if we can't match what mum has done throughout the year in value, should we just quit trying and not give mum anything on Mother's Day? Would that make mum happy? No, because that little handwritten voucher means something because we've invested it with meaning and with value. And for mum, it's the thought that counts 100%. I hope so, because it's Wendy's birthday soon, and I bought her something yesterday, and I hope that the thought is enough. It's always a scary thing. Mum, mum does not work all year to earn that silly little voucher. That's not why she works, but she loves it when it's given out of a thankful heart. And it's the same with God. Can we ever come close to repaying him for breaking the curse of death and sin over our lives? Can we ever say thank you enough for jumping on the grenade so that we don't get ruined by 
the ultimate consequences of our own sinful actions? Can we ever repay God for what he has given freely out of his love and heart? No. In faith, we accept what he has done and his grace is imparted to us as a free gift that we receive. And yet, once your heart has been changed, once you've known God as your father, once you're part of his family, once you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, once you know the freedom from the control of sin, once you know the wonderful blessing of a clear conscience, once you know the wonderful contentment of being loved just for who you are, once you know the privilege and purpose of life in God, then the rest of the Christian life is giving God little vouchers just to say thank you. Not to earn his love, but to express your love. And because money has the power to grip us so tight in this lie that we own it, that it's ours, one of the best things that we can do is to treat it like a handwritten little voucher and to give it to God and to say, it's, it's yours. Because what we're really saying when we do that is, my heart belongs to you. And so it really doesn't matter whether you have a lot of money in the bank account or not much at all. Because if you're poor, then you have a privileged place in God's household. And if you're prosperous, then you have a purpose-filled place role to play in God's plan. And we all have the opportunity to treat these little pieces of plasticky paper like they should be treated as a back rub voucher to almighty God saying, thank you for all that you, you did. If we try to repay God for all that he has done, it would break his heart because the heart of the gospel is grace. But on the other hand, if we go through life like spoilt, entitled little children, never saying thank you to God for all that he's done, well, this breaks his heart also. And as society, we've invested value and meaning in money. It has no intrinsic value, only what we give it. If we as a society decided to trade in fruit, then it would make sense for us to give back to God some bananas if we as a society decided to trade in in hockey cards then it would make sense for us to give some of our hockey cards back to God but we use money silly little plastic pieces of paper that we invest value in so it makes sense for us to give this back to him not to repay him but to say thank you to say simply thank you for the privilege and the purpose and the contentment that I find in you.